Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to episode 17 of the Box in One podcast. My name is John Richards. I'm your co-host, and I'm here today with my co-host, C. Lass. Chris Lassiter. What up? And the homie Jay Hart, Jeremy Hartman. What's up, dude? What up, fellas? Coach. I call him Coach. Coach Hartman, the homie. All right. So what we're going to do this week is just hop right into our topics because we have some really hot topics for real, for real. And I'm going to just hop right into the probably the hottest topic over the past week or so. And it comes out of the NFL, but it's also kind of a cultural issue that has blown up over the past week and a half. And we're coming to you from the Bay Area, San Francisco, where a guy who hasn't been really relevant since their Super Bowl run, I think in 2013, 12, maybe somewhere around there, Colin Kaepernick, the homie decided that he was going to sit down during the national anthem in a preseason game. And he caught a ton of flack from Christians, from veterans, from black Twitter, from other minority Twitter, from majority Twitter, from your boy, the Donald, anybody that you can think of. Kaepernick called it because he sat down during the national anthem. Now, some people thought it wasn't patriotic. Others thought that it disrespected our troops. Um, there were a lot of comments about it, but there were comments in support of it, saying that he's exercising his First Amendment right, and he has the right to do that. The soldiers fought for that right, but he's an athlete. He's a public figure. So obviously, people are going to have public opinions about a very public figure who did something that might not sit well with some people. So I need to get you guys' opinion on this, okay? We've been pining to get to this because we've had conversations with friends, circles of loved ones, on social media with other people about this. So I just want to catch this or capture this for the podcast itself. So I'll start with the homie, Jay Hart. What's up, man? Whoo, man, this has been a, a, a hot topic. Um, I can't even tell you what the conversations that I've had in the last couple of days since all this kind of blew up. But um, I, I will say this, like, I don't necessarily agree with the method, but I agree with what he's doing, like what he's standing for. Um, I probably would have chosen a different method. But the great thing about our country is, is that He's got the freedom to protest however he wants, as long as he's protesting peacefully. And I think that the thing that kind of bothered me was people were like just throwing, just spewing venom, venom at him. And it wasn't like he went out of his way to make it a point to say, I'm doing this. Oh, look at me. He was just kind of like he had been doing it. Somebody saw him. They asked him about it afterwards. And he kind of was like, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm putting it out there. Like he didn't go seeking for attention, you know, they kind of found him. And I think he understood what he was doing, but 
I guess my biggest issue has been with people just, I guess, just denying the fact that racism still exists. A um, couple of the conversations that I had, especially with some folks that I grew up with and my background, they were just kind of like, oh, you're not being oppressed. You're not this, you're not that. Or, you know, it was more from a standpoint of, oh, the racism doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like, what, what are you guys talking about? I grew up with you. Like, you know what I went through. Some of y'all put me through it. So don't put it out there like that. Like it's not there. Like it's still there. So, you know, I, I think I was hoping that this would open up a wider range of conversation or dialogue. Unfortunately, what has really become more about is people bashing Kaepernick and who's standing for him and who's standing with him. And we're not addressing the true issue behind the stand now. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. See you, Lizzie. All right. So, I mean, I have a ton of thoughts, so many thoughts, but let me start where Jay left off. Um, the most disheartening thing about the whole piece to me is watching the reaction of people just shout past each other. No one is willing to listen from either side. And I think like that's just frustrating for me as someone who enjoys dialoguing, like listening to other people's point of view, like critically thinking about things, just like trying to put it through the lens of the gospel. Those things are important to me, like open, honest dialogue. But when you just hear people saying like, uh, obviously the N words flying a lot this week. Um, my favorite one, go back to Africa. Um, and then just uh, people just shouting past each other on both sides and no real dialogue taking place. I do think um, we've lost some of that and we've made it all about the messenger. But to me, like as someone who was a sports journalist who very well could have in a, in earlier in my life been in that locker room asking those same questions, like I find the story uh, fascinating. I grew up in a town that's probably 11% minority. Um, and so that definitely shapes the way I see race relations. Um, obviously you see some things where like privilege is involved, but you also see some things where like, like genuinely good people, um, white people who that have always shaped my view of race relations. Um, so it's interesting to me that Kaepernick would be the athlete because he was a, has adoptive white parents. So it's just that part of it is fascinating to me. Um, you guys know when we started talking about the podcast, it was because we wanted to look through like relevant topics through the lens of the gospel. So I know at one point, um, Kaepernick seemed to be very pro Jesus in a lot of his statements. And so just to watch him begin to identify with Islam, like I'm fascinated, heartbroken, um, just because I do believe like Christ is the way and the gospel is the answer. Um, but just, um, intrigued by like what changed that like what turned you know what i'm saying like why at one point look at christ as the answer then um choose a different route so those have been the things that i've been really past the message has been lost and i'm intrigued by the messenger so that's kind of where obviously i feel like just like jay said like it's your right you know um and i think it's not your right as someone else to tell someone else how to express their rights so um, like I for me personally, like that wouldn't be my approach, because when I think of the flag, the first thing I do think about is people who like went extra and sacrificed so that we could be free. My dad, when he got um, drafted, always said, like most of the people who um, 
who hate America have never lived anywhere else. So um, one of the things I love about America is the situation from Dallas, uh, where you have these people who are protesting black, um, like black oppression, and especially um, even police, um, just kind of worried about how black people are treated by police, but police protecting them as they march. And I've been to a lot of other countries and I'm just trying to think like how many countries could that happen? And I think that's part of what makes America great. But I would love to see us get past the part where we're just shouting at each other, can really dialogue and look at really what he was saying. Like, here's what I'm seeing and have dialogues about that. So that's what my, that's my take. Man, I, I agree. It's for me, it's especially the reaction. So when you react to events like this, it's not necessarily what you say or write, but how you say it and write it. So a lot of people have done what is equivalent to toilet papering somebody's house in social media walls in terms of like plastering people's walls with these stories about Kaepernick showing I'm supporting him or he's ridiculous. I'm, I can't believe he would say something like that. As opposed to knocking on someone's door and respectful, respectfully having the conversation with them. Like we, we like to drop social media bombs to show which side that we're on as opposed to knocking on the door and having inviting people in the dialogue. So, for example, the Jackie Robinson quote started circulating sometime last week, which is a great quote from his book, his autobiography, which was written around 1972. And in the introduction, he writes about his trouble or concern with standing, saluting, and respecting the flag as a black man in America. And I mean, just think about the irony of it all. The American baseball culture completely respects Jackie Robinson, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't didn't know about that quote before this week or the past week and a half because they probably haven't read the bio. So the people who were posting it was trying to get a point across, but I think it's how you did it that demonstrates the effectiveness of that point. So I agree with you. Like, stop shouting past folks. Stop shouting past one another. I think some of my best conversations have happened person to person, face to face, having dialogue with people as opposed to doing these, you know, social media um, rants that a lot of people go on. So social media is a blessing and a curse. Um, and I, I definitely see both sides of it in terms of being able to argue both sides of it. Um, personally, I think I probably lean towards allowing that man to express himself in a way that expresses the First Amendment freedoms. Very lawyer-ish of me, but I think that that's a right that he does have. And I've seen athletes do it before. I think we've talked before about my boy from Denver, Sharif Abdurrahim. Wait, was that his name? Mahmoud. Mahmoud Abdurrahim, the homie. Being able to do that during the anthem, it was a big deal for him. I think they came to an impasse and he finally decided to stand during the anthem. But that's the beauty of America and, and who we are. People have that freedom and that right. Now, unfortunately, their first game is on September 11th. Can you guess who the starting quarterback's not going to be? Dwayne Gabbard. <laughs> <laughs> Kaepernick is probably not going to start that game on September 11th. 
So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him as a team. But um, I'm really I respect him for what he's done um, in terms of generating that conversation. So, yeah, I just think one other thing, um, you know, in Jackie Robbins biography, he experienced just as much racism when he was in the military. So he came to Major League Baseball after being in the military. So I just thought that was another fascinating piece of his story. And that's also one of the reasons why he was chosen to be the athlete because he had the military background. He thought that would endear him more to society at large. So I'm not so sure if we've seen the end of the Colin Kaepernick um, saga. I think your boy Chris Brown tried to do all he could to kind of end that story and start something new this week. But um, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how, how things turn out. But I, I definitely wanted to make sure we addressed it. And I'm glad that that we were able to talk as brothers. Uh, in terms of what what we felt about it and how how we were processing it, so shout out to uh, Rachel Held Evans too. I don't um, so I don't ascribe or to everything that she writes, um, but she did mention something really interesting for Christians as believers. She said it's interesting to see that, or she would want to see what first first century Christians thought about Christians who uh, were bashing Kaepernick um, because he was going against the quote-unquote empire, because that's all first-century Christians did. Like, they never respected empire over and above the gospel. And for some people, the gospel, a huge part of the gospel message is social justice and making sure that the world is put right again. And that was part of what Kaepernick was getting at in his um, protest, but I think all of that, as you said, J.R. got lost in um, the messenger, per se. So, Yeah, I would just add to that, though. Like, I would say, like, in First Peter, Peter's call to the diaspora is, um, you know, like, make your citizenship somewhere else, but be the best citizens in your community. Like, and I think that's his message to um, that's the message of first Peter. So much of it is like just that Jeremiah 29 imagery, like, Hey, you're exiles here, but like you make a difference. You be salt and light for the gospel here. Amen. And you know, Chris, I'm going to piggyback off of that and, and just make one last point. Um, because you have brought up with Kaepernick, you know, leaning more toward Islam. And, um, this is a conversation, totally different conversation for another day, but it just brought up you know, spark something in my mind, like, are we as Christians not out there enough and defending, um, I guess, people and defending rights to whereas people are like, okay, well, these Christians aren't really standing up for anything, but these Muslims and these folks following Islam, they're out there and they're standing up for what they believe is right. So I'm leaning more toward that. So I think that's a conversation that, you know, we could take a whole different level in a whole different place. Um, you know, are we failing to kind of evangelize and be out there in the streets and keep it real, so to speak? Yo, I don't know if y'all remember this. This is an old school track. It was on Ambassadors, the thesis album, but he has a line in there and it always struck with me. And he said, like, if we're just honest, they have a much better system of faith integration just no resurrectional message of a God who can save men. And I was like, whoa, um, 
Like, so I think that's always been the knock is like, all right, so you have this great faith. You have this great God. You say he's everything to you. Like, where's the lives that are consistent with that? You know, very convicting for sure. So, man, fall is in the air. At least it's supposed to be in theory. It's a little warm in here in Chicago and I'm not complaining. But fall also means that college football season is upon us. Oh, yeah. And there's their NFL thing out there somewhere, too. So uh, football's around and we are about to hop right in this weekend into the college football opening weekend. And this is probably one of the better opening Saturdays in college football in a very long time. A lot of marquee matchups and teams are not playing smaller teams like Furman, Georgia Southern, Georgia um, Institute of Agriculture, but they're actually playing real opponents this weekend. So it should be fun. Chris, you wanted to lead with a question for us, correct? Yeah, so here's my question. Just as the season approaches, what storylines do you have? Like, what what storylines will you follow closely this year? So, for instance, I'm from Virginia. I was a sports reporter, so I've covered UVA and um, Virginia Tech football at length. Um, So both schools, which are typically not always on the national radar, sometimes they slip in. Uh, Virginia Tech obviously more prominently when Vic was there and the years that followed, but both schools just replaced their head coaches and will start um, the 2016 campaign with new coaches at the helm. And so what now you have is this recruiting battle for the state of Virginia, who can leverage that, who can get control of the state, which program appears to be headed in the right direction more. So it's a huge rivalry here in our state. I don't know if everyone else tunes in when Virginia Tech plays Virginia. I don't know how that goes nationally. I don't know if that's something John Riches feels like he needs to grab popcorn for. No. But that's that's what I have. That's the big storyline for me. Obviously, I'm in ACC country, so I want to see how far Clemson can go, what Florida State's going to do. Just see how well we compete and stack up with the top tier, the SEC. Obviously, we're not nearly as deep as the SEC, but I think our top two teams can be as good as their top two teams this year. Let's just see if that holds true as well. So understatement of the year of the year for the podcast goes to Chris Lasseter for saying that um, nobody else cares about Virginia football. Um, He may be the only person in this nation who really cares about the state of Virginia and football, but that's great, man. That's great to hear. And I'm I'm confused because there are a lot of good football players that come out of Virginia. I don't understand why your teams aren't better, but that's neither here nor there. So you're looking forward to Virginia's new coaches. That's great. I don't even have to tell you what I'm looking forward to, okay? Because you already know that I'm looking forward to seeing the man child return. His name is Nick Chubb. And he was well on his way to becoming one of the better running backs in the league last year before getting injured in the Tennessee game. He is back in action, looking great as ever. And they pray they play this Saturday in the Georgia Dome against the University of North Carolina, which is close to Virginia. And it's going to be a good game, I believe. And I think Chubb is going to do well. Our other thing I'm looking forward to is trying to figure out who our quarterback is going to be. 
We got the quarterback of the year come in last year. I mean, this year as a freshman, Jacob Eason, Gatorade player of the year, best quarterback in the country. But they're, they keep going back and forth on whether playing him or a former Virginia quarterback, surprisingly, Grayson Lambert, who was a bum last year. So I don't understand why they don't just throw the <laughs> freshman in there. He um, did thought, have that one game where he was like 27 of 28, though. Yeah, he was like breaking Georgia records. I'm like, wait a second. I can't have you doing this, man, because we don't want you back there behind center. So I'm looking forward to that, man. Looking forward to Chubb and hopefully seeing Eason play this weekend. But we'll see if your Virginia boy comes comes in and uh, swipes that starting quarterback role. Jay Hart, you got anything to say about college football, man? You know, I'm I'm looking at it more from a coaching standpoint. I'm more excited to see um, some of these guys like your boy, Mark Rick, that ended up at the U, um, Kirby Smart. You know, those guys that have have left and, you know, let's see what they do with these new programs. I'm interested to see what that happens, especially with the coaching changes, because there's always somebody that comes, you know, from out of nowhere. And you're like, ooh, I didn't realize that. Um, so I'm looking at coaching changes and what those new programs will do. And I always, I always got my finger on whether or not our Heisman guys, and right now it seems like to be three guys that are always being mentioned, that's Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey, and Leonard Fournette. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to live up to the hype? So um, I could watch just about any college football game. It really doesn't matter who it is, what, what time it is. Um, so I'm just a big college football fan, period. Hartman, please, please, please put Nick Chubb on that Heisman list for our sanity. No, no, I, I ain't even going to say nothing. You can't gonna... put him on there yet. We, we, we're we not sure what's going to happen. I ain't even going to say nothing right now. I'm just going to show look, him. Be- I'm going to show him better than I can tell him, C. Lass. Dude is a monster. He can oh, be- I'm not saying he's not a monster. My point is let, let's give him a week or two to get his legs back under him and see what he does before we start you know, riding the hype train. Go ahead and leave, leave us off that list, man. We good. We good. I leave Cody Here he off goes list with the we. Why is it we, Jay? Because, man. Why is it we? When you talk about my squad, you talk about me. I ain't okay? see you on the roster, though. I'm just saying, man. Go dogs. I'm between the hedges every weekend in my mind. All right? <laughs> Let's talk about Sundays, man. Let's talk about the NFL, my dudes. Now, I will admit and say that I'm a much bigger college football fan, but I do watch the NFL. So same question, right? See, last we want to know what are the biggest storylines you're looking for or looking at in the National Football League this year? So for me, I always I'm a Chiefs fan and we straight hobbled through the second half of the season, yet somehow won like 10 games in a row, including smashing Houston in the playoffs, but we just can't get over that hump. We have a single running back healthy for the playoffs, and so can this be the year with Alex Smith at the helm that we take another step? Um, And obviously, just watching what happens, I mean, Brady's out four games, Romo's hurt, Bridgewater, I don't ever, I hope the footage never shows up of whatever happened to his knee, because I don't ever want to hear that said players were vomiting. I say, how gross that. If it's anything like that Louisville player back in the Duke game, I don't want to see any parts of that. But um, I'm with you too, uh, Jay Rich. I'm probably more of a college, a Saturday guy. 
than a Sunday guy. But those will be some storylines I keep up with. Yo, for me, it's got to be what's happening with the big star in Dallas, man. Obviously, uh, Tony Romo got his Mike Tyson on and said his back was broken. And we found out that it was spinal. And um, he's going to be out for a hot minute. So, in steps SEC quarterback Dak Prescott, who's been pretty impressive in the preseason. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Dak and Zeke do in that backfield. Interestingly, Dallas has a black quarterback and an African-American running back. So um, that's just going to be an intriguing storyline to watch this year to see how Dak responds to being named starter in the Big D. Because when you're in the Big D, not only are you playing underneath that big jumbotron, but you're playing under the eye of public opinion because everybody knows that Dallas is on every Sunday in every region. So that's the storyline I'm looking forward to. What about you, Jay Hart? Well, I'm an Eagles fan, um, and people always ask me who my favorite team is. (laughs) Of all my teams that, like, I'm a Lakers fan and I'm an Eagles fan, but the Eagles are my team that I, you know, ride or die. Um, it can ruin my Sunday or it can make my Sunday real good. And I've been that mostly way. ruined. Yeah, pretty much. Um, lately anyway, I'm glad we got Chip Kelly out of there. Um, I think he kind of ran. I was excited at first when Chip came in. Now, I was, once he started giving away all our players, I was like, hold on, what's this guy doing? Like you just gave away our best three players. Like, what? but anyway, Doug Peterson's there. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I'm not sure about Sam Bradford. I like the big kid, Carson Wentz, that we drafted. We just need a line to keep him healthy. Um, and some running backs, we just need a little bit of everything. But we gave up our draft picks to get the supposed quarterback of the future. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not one of these crazy delusional fans that, hey, we're going to be in a Super Bowl. Like, if we win seven games, we'll probably be very fortunate. Um, on the flip side of that, I am curious to see what happens in Dallas with Dak. Um, in the preseason, everything's very vanilla defensively. So I'm, I'm curious to see what defensive coordinators will throw at him, knowing that he's going to be uh, a rookie starting quarterback in the NFL and see how much they can test him. But as you said, Jay Rich, he played in the SEC. If you can play quarterback in the SEC, you could probably play quarterback in the NFL. So it'll be curious to see him. I'm an Ohio State fan, too. I, I want to see Zeke do well. As a matter of fact, I had to draft him on my fantasy football team. So um, I'm hoping he does well, just not against the Eagles. So Hey, Jay, Jay, you got to keep us posted with how your fantasy team does on a week-by-week basis. Also, a quick question for you guys, and then we'll move topics. But when Jerry Jones seen uh, Robo get hurt, do you think when he scrolled through his list of contacts, do you think he stopped at Manziel's name first or Tebow's name first? You got that choice to make. Which one would you call first if you had to call one of them? <laughs> he called the dude that deals that gives him Prozac because uh, there's no alternative options, man. Like Manziel, not gonna happen. He he probably thought for a second about Manziel, but nah. Just say you got to pick one of them. One of those two. Who you calling? <sighs> You call him the Heisman. No, man. 
No. I'll call Jay Hart before I call Menzel. Hey, I can hand it off 20 times a game. I can get out of the way. <laughs> All right, my dudes. So we try to tackle some uh, some content that will be helpful for some of our listeners um, in terms of biblical content and understanding um, doctrinal positions. And this one is really interesting, this go-round. I had a conversation with my dudes a couple of weeks ago, I believe, a week and a half ago or so. And we were talking about the interesting position that John Piper takes on spiritual gifts, specifically speaking in tongues. And Piper is not someone who believes that that gift has gone away, essentially. Um, He says that he's prayed for it himself and the Lord has not given it to him. But him and MacArthur have been going back and forth in post um, over the years about the fact that MacArthur believes that that gift specifically and other gifts have ceased to um, exist since the canon of scripture is closed. And that's based on his understanding of New Testament passages, including passages in 1 Corinthians, um, where it says that that which is perfect has come, these things will cease. So we just want to kind of run through those positions, which I've already done, and then also give our personal takes on them so that our audience kind of knows where we come from and might be helpful to some folks who may be wrestling with that issue, um, who might not know if they're Team MacArthur or Team Piper. So I'll start with my man C. Last, man. What are your thoughts here? So I think we kind of went back and forth um, there's a verse in Timothy and he tells Paul who's um, gone from this church persecutor to church planner and father figure in the faith for so many. He's um, writing a pastoral letter to a young dude who's pastoring named Timothy. And he tells him like, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And so from that, we know like this isn't just something that as believers, we should take lightly. Like this is something that, um, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, hey, you should watch this closely. So that's where I start is saying like, um, this is something that's important. Um, The second thing I wanna just part out is, um, and we'll we'll talk probably more about this in a bigger picture podcast one day, but there are things that are called essentials of our Christian faith and non-essentials. And essentials are things that like, if we don't agree on those, like then, we have to question whether we're talking about biblical Christianity. Now, once you get past that thing and you get to something that we would consider a non-essential, what I kind of share with you guys candidly is this has been such a hard decision for me, like to try to figure out, and I've tried to avoid it in my life. Um, One, like, and it's rooted in my story. So um, just growing up, I went to church, and it was definitely um, just a typical like black Baptist church. I've been in churches that were more Pentecostal and I've been in environments where looking back, I would say, hey, I've seen a, a church abuse in the name of things that seem to be spiritual gifts. And what do you tend to do um, when you see abuse is you kind of let the baby out with the bathwater. And so fast forward into that time I've been in lots of studies. I've read 
Wayne Grudem's systematic theology from cover to cover. It's something that I've tried to dive into, but all I've tried to do is make sure I could state positions and say, hey, I know where Christians throughout the centuries in church history have stood on certain issues where there's not agreement in eschatology or on things like spiritual gifts. Um, but for me, like I've never been pressed into a position. I've always been um, kind of like the middle of the road guy sitting on the fence. I did campus ministry, which was interdenominational. They never ask you to clarify a position on any non-essential. So I was good at fence riding. And now I'm in a church that definitely holds a position. And recently my church has asked me to do some things. And one of those things as a prerequisite to what my church is asking me to do is it's going to be to submit to some traditions or say that I agree to some certain positions. And so for me, I'm just now reaching the point in life where like I have to stop fence riding and figure out what I truly believe. Um, so for me, if I was if somebody was holding my feet to the fire, I would find it hard to call myself a cessationist or someone who had said that none of the gifts um, or the vocal gifts um, would exist today. But I'm also wrestling through like seeking good theology, watching my life and doctrine closely and stop letting my past hurts or experience govern any of my positions. So that's kind of where I am. I know that wasn't like fully endorsing one camp or the other team Piper or team MacArthur, but that's about as honest as I can be for you. That's good, man. And and that's truly, I mean, that's not the expectation. Like I don't want us to kind of fall into one camp or the other. I just wanted to, to kind of talk about our experiences as well with that. So that's help, helpful context, hopefully for some, for one of our listeners who may have experienced the same in terms of, of my, my approach to it. I think that, um, and I think I may have mentioned this to you, like I have also seen the abuse, quote unquote, of the gifts and um, just just thinking through that and having having to internalize that and thinking through. Well, yeah, but I've also seen people abuse the gospel. Right. Um, but that doesn't stop me from seeking more gospel truth um, or seeking to proclaim the gospel. So for me, I guess that couldn't have been my um, my issue with it wholeheartedly. I do think that I kind of lean um, more in the direction of Piper, um, just uh, experientially. Um, my understanding of of the texts that speak through speak to it, and the fact that the the Spirit of God is still present, a present reality today for believers, and we need Him more than we ever needed him before. Um, so if there are gifts that he is to distribute to the church and that he has distributed to the church and that he uses people um, to use them and not abuse them, then I am all for it. So I would not be someone who would say that that those particular gifts have ceased to exist. I think that there has been a gap between intellectuals and those who are more experiential Christians, uh, to put it lightly, and in widening that gap, <laughs> in widening that gap, I think some of the intellectuals have railed against the gifts. 
as opposed to seek to be seeking understanding. And I think it moves back to our point about, you know, yelling at one another uh, in terms of the Kaepernick thing. I think it happens also in Christendom. We get married to a position without honestly seeking doctrinally, not saying that MacArthur has not, um, because he probably has landed there um, based on his study of scripture. But again, there's another leading voice in Piper who's landed elsewhere. And like you said, these issues are secondary. And I certainly don't want, my whole thing is I don't want us to not have what the Spirit of God would have us to have now today in the 21st century. So Amen. That, would be, that would be my position. Well, I think um, I think we can all sit back and say, like, in our early church experiences, we've all seen abuse of the um, gifts. Um, I just remember the church we went to as a kid. Like, I remember somebody start speaking in tongues. And at the time, like, I didn't know what that was. I'm looking at my mom like, Yo, what is going on? Like, you know, what is this? Um, <laughs> I, I was like, why is my aunt over there? You know, and, you know, when you're eight, nine years old, you're like, uh, you know, what's she doing? Like, why right. is she talking like that? Um, so you don't really have an understanding, a true understanding of it. And then as I got older, um, we kind of left the church. Um, and I, I still don't know as a kid, I don't know the reason why my parents left the church we went to. Um, it's still kind of taboo to even talk about. Like even to this day, if I ask my parents why, like there's not a clear, distinct answer. Um, you know, I've heard stories and, you know, caught bits and pieces, but never really took much of an interest. And I'm not sure if, you know, there was something because, you know, some people were more charismatic or, or what. I have no idea. Um, the only thing I truly, truly remember from those early church experiences is two things. One, I was a kid and the pastor was up there playing the guitar and I was hungry and his son took me to his house and gave me a ham and cheese sandwich and to the anointing oil that they had in the church. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so and two is the anointing oil that they had in the church. And, you know, my mom still has the bottle of anointing oil. In fact, we have it upstairs. And um, for the longest time, you know, anytime we bought a car or a house, my mom was like, you need to take the oil out and anoint that car, or anoint that house. Or, um, you know, so as a kid, like I grew up like, like thinking like, oh, that that's what you do. Like you want the Lord to watch over your house and to protect your house or your car or whatever. Like you need to anoint it. And, um, you know, so it, it, there are certain things where it's just like, wow. Like as you get older, you try to search for and 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 think, is this real? Like you kind of have to, you know, walk your own walk and kind of figure things out and talk to folks. And everybody's got a different position. And um, the church that I go to now that Chris used to go to, like occasionally folks will speak in tongues and, you know, every time that I've been there and heard it, there's always been somebody that, you know, confirms and translates and, you know, but I think it rubs people the wrong way. And I think, in fact, some of our friends, Chris, like, I think they actually left the church because of that. So, you know, there's obviously a clear divide where people are like, oh, I don't know if these gifts still apply today. Um, if I had to take a stand one way or the other, I'd probably lean more toward Piper um, because I think the greatest example I have in my life um, 
with some of those gifts kind of coming to fruition and, and showing up as my father-in-law. Um, and he's just a wonderful man. And just the conversations that we have, um, I truly believe that he has a gift like the Lord has spoken to him and like the things that he shares in church and he shared with me. And in fact, um, true story about a year and a half to two years ago, we had a conversation about race relations and this community in Stanton and why there's such a divide. And like, he just broke out and was like, son, you have no idea because it's going to get far worse. It's going to be worse for you. It's going to be worse for your children. And I'm like, whoa, what? Like, hold on. And you know, at the time you're like, nah, it's not going to be. And now as you kind of start to see these things come to light, you're like, wow. Um, and there's just been different instances in my life. Um, just experiences I've dealt with, with him, uh, my father-in-law just, you know, like I'd have to lean more toward Piper than MacArthur if I had to say one way or the other. Um, but again, like we're all trying to figure this thing out and, and walk it. But if I had to pick, if you made me pick, I'd go Piper. Yeah. I th think, um, my, my bottom line point is just what John Richard said. Like, I don't want any, I don't want any doctrinal position to hold me from anything God wants to do in my life. I want as much as God as God wants to give me. And that's the bottom line. And like, I want that to be the premise that leads my study. Um, so look, one time I did have this situation, right? Um, I had went to legacy conference and when I got back, I had been in talks with some of the people at Moody about writing a book for Moody. And so lo and behold, like three weeks after the conference, they call me back and say, hey, we're considering, like, we'll let you know in a couple of days. So I'm praying about it. I'm like, Lord, if this is what you want, this is a true story. I was visiting a church and it was a way more charismatic church than I usually run in. And this lady pulls me to the side and says, hey, you've been asking the Lord for something. And in a couple of days, he's going to give it to you. And I knew it, what I was thinking it was in my mind. And lo and behold, if in a couple of days, they email. They send me an email. I still remember I was with a group of kids I was doing campus ministry with at B Dubs, and my wife called me and she was crying and said like Moody decided to publish your book. She forwarded me the email at B Dubs, and I was just like, yeah, that lady did say that, but I was like, I don't like because of like the hurts from the past. Like I want to put God in the box where He never makes me feel awkward. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm working through and saying, like, no, like, that can't be my governing position is my, like, unwillingness to feel awkward about how God moves in some situations. On the flip side, like, I want to make sure everything that I see happening is extremely biblical. So. Amen. Amen. Hey, <laughs> hey, let me find out that <laughs> that Jay Hart has like a 40 pound jug of Crisco in his house. <laughs> and, and nah, his, his floors and, and walls are like slipping slides, man. <laughs> and nah. let me find out he still got a piece of that ham and cheese left too. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> not only he still got he, the ham and cheese and the anointing oil in the crib somewhere. Not only is he in the aerobics instruction, <laughs> he is a Crisco oil anointing. Oh, man. Look, I promise awesome. you. When this Man. podcast is over, I'm going to take a picture of the oil, the bottle of oil, and I'm going to send it to y'all. Told That's you, what's up, yeah. you are like, the You are I, the Dose Keese man. <laughs> the most man in the world. <laughs> All right. So our next segment is called the Sorry We Missed That Segment. 
And this is the segment where we go back in time to grab stories that we wish we had when the podcast was around. And this story is one of the first YouTube legends of all time. All time, man. What's his name, C-Lass? It's my man, Charles Ramsey. Charles Ramsey or Mr. Dead Giveaway. So Ramsey. Mr. Big Mac. (laughs) He was McDonald's endorsed. He was everything at that point. So Mr. Ramsey had some random, quote unquote, white girl run up to him and hug him, embrace him. And she had been missing for how many years? Like a decade. For like 10 years. And this is in Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah, in Cleveland. For about a decade, this woman was missing. She ran up to him. She escaped from the house she was being held in. And um, he said that he... Um, got with the authorities and they were able to rescue her. Now, the best part of it was the interview with the reporters because they always <laughs> like to find they always like to find the best people to do these interviews with, right? So right, but he at, couldn't avoid it this time because it was him. It was him. So he he's was, sitting. It was, he was the hero. I know he's sitting there and um, they ask him like, "How did you know, man? How did you know?" He's like, "Look, this is a white girl running into a black man's arms." In the middle of nowhere. You tell me. Then he says, dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. And that was like the <laughs> epic line <laughs> of his entire interview. They even did like a remix song. A dead giveaway song for Mr. Ramsey. So he was like the unlikely hero in this case. And it's interesting because, you know, white girl runs into a black man's arm. You don't see that very often. So... In our era of increased racial tension, it's just good to see where this white girl was at her wits end. It didn't didn't matter if Ramsey was red, orange, yellow, black or white. She saw someone who could help her. And um, that's that's pretty telling in terms of, you know, where we go, flight or flight, fight or flight um, and understanding that sometimes it don't really matter what color you are. I remember that scene in the movie Crash where, you know, there was this rescue scene and this woman had been frisked by a white cop earlier, this minority woman, and she really wasn't happy with the way he frisked her. So then later on, he comes and basically rescues her out of this burning car and she's she's like torn. Like, this is the dude that just frisked me, but now he's about to save my life. So. Um, interesting that all that stuff goes out the door when you need to be rescued. I think there's a gospel message in there somewhere. Yeah, the joint that made it so great was like I live in a neighborhood with like probably 20 dudes that all look just like Charles Ramsey and they all tell stories just like he did. So I really felt like I was watching my neighbors get interviewed and the joint like <laughs> it was <laughs> like he had all the important details. He's like, yo, I just left McDonald's. I had just finished eating a Big Mac. Like, he was like, yo, I couldn't believe this dude was the like kidnapper. This my neighbor. Like, we eat salsa and barbecue ribs together. <laughs> he he was giving all types of details, man. It was great. It was great. So, yeah, that was a great, great story. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. All right, so now we're going to turn to our segment where we talk about what we're listening to and what we're reading. And hopefully this helps our listeners 
um, to get some resources that we've been reading and listening to and to add them to your library. So we're going to hop right in and get what we're listening to and what we're reading. Jay Hart. Um, yeah, I'm jumping back in with a men's group uh, on Monday nights with one of the pastors from our church. Um, so we usually we do a book study. Um, so our book that we're jumping into now is a is an oldie but a goodie, uh, Pursuit of Holiness. Um, so that's what we're we're chasing now. We're going through that. Um, uh, Jerry Bridges. Uh, it's you know it's an easy read, but you know some some deep stuff in there. So going through the pursuit of holiness with the men, um, we have a good time breaking things down. And uh, my pastor Clay Starrett, shout out to Clay. Um, he, Stanton's finest, Jay Rich. So, like, if you ever come to Stanton, we're gonna take you. Me and Chris are gonna take you to Clay's house. One of the funniest dudes you'll ever meet. Um, right. He, he you you missed him in his hooping days, though. Yeah, he he he's beyond that now. But he, he used to be out there shooting it up, firing that thing up. But um, Clay's a he's a great guy. He's helped me out tremendously, and um, so that's what I'm reading. Pursuit of Holiness. As far as anything I'm listening to, man, I'm still on that Derek Miner man. Like I. Can't wait for October when that when that joint finally drop. But and I know you guys don't like the techno dance stuff. Gavi dropping another oh EP boy. next week. Don't say keys. Yeah, I like I like Gavi's EP because I can listen to it at work. Let's see on the loudspeaker. I will never listen to Hater. another minute of Hater said CD. I'm not even sure if I'm going to put it in the show notes. Typical, typical Spurs fan. <laughs> See, Laz, what you're reading and what you're listening to. All right. So I'm still working through um, two books. I'm still working through finishing up um, the Tony Evans book, Oneness Embrace, and reading this book, Evicted, which is just fascinating, just talking about the culture of poverty. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating book. It's well done journalistically. Um, what I'm listening to, the most fascinating thing that I've listened to last week, two um, messages. One was from your boy, Jamar Tisby, <clears throat> and it was just talk. The talk was in labeled understanding the heart cry of Black Lives Matter. And anybody who has kind of wrestled and trying to really grasp what that movement's about or what Colin Kaepernick's talking about. Uh, he does. He's so thorough. It's so it's so gospel centered. It's so historically rooted. And then he does such a good job, like critiquing it through a gospel lens, saying, like, here's what we have to amen. Here's where we have to give pause. It's a great message. You can just YouTube it. <clears throat> As I was trying to figure out all the Kaepernick stuff and trying to figure out how to look through it through a gospel lens, Jamar Tisby, um, understanding the heart cry, Black Lives Matter really helped. And um my man, Brian Loretz, one of my favorite gospel communicators, um, he gave a State of the Union address at his church. <clears throat> and I just thought he did such a great job. If anyone knows part of the story, the church that he's pastoring now is just um, it's gone through a season of hurt. You know, like there's just no other way to put it. I'm not exactly sure what that season is. But if you listen to the podcast, it's unavoidable. You'll pick it up. Um, but just listening to his shepherd's heart and how he's leading that people forward in the gospel. I just thought he articulated uh, the vision for the church coming out of that season so well. I don't know why I felt such an attachment to that message, but I was just like, ah, it just was great. I, it just blew me away. So, oh, 
and my pastor's message, if anybody gets a chance to hear that, uh, Jonah, just preaching the gospel through Jonah, it was excellent this week. I mean, my pastor is a very good gospel communicator, preaches the gospel every week, but this week especially, like if I could point people to anything that my pastor's ever done, it'd probably be this week when he did Jonah. It was so good. So that's what I've been listening to. That's great, man. So I've been reading a couple of different things. The first being um, the first 90 days, um, <laughs> which is a, a great, great book on um, coming into an organization as an executive. And uh, it begins in the introduction saying that the president has 100 days to make an impact um, in his job. And you as an executive have 90. So he kind of runs through what that looks like as an executive. So. I've been working my way through that. It's been a great read. I've also um, related to that, been reading um, Ed Stetzer's Subversive Kingdom, um, which is a pretty good read on what it looks like to be a subversive kingdom citizen. Um, So um, just trying to learn about Ed and uh, all things Ed Stetzer. So that's been what I've been reading and uh, what I've been listening to on the other end of that, uh, I went to go see the Obama movie this week, um, Southside with You, which was actually pretty decent. It was short, about an hour and 20 minutes. But the song at the end of the movie is a John Legend song. So this is kind of a married people, um, a married people listening to uh, suggestion. <laughs> uh, it's called Start. It's a pretty cool song by John Legend. So been listening to that, man. It's pretty mellow. Uh, it's better than the techno stuff that uh, Jay Hart was just talking about. So um, go check that out <laughs> for sure. For Haters sure. everywhere. <laughs> Jay Hart is Reach Records for life, yo. Reach for life. For life. All right, man. We got closing shout outs, man. Let's go. Oh, I got to go first. Shout out to my man, Jay Rich, the host of the podcast for his new job opportunity at Wheaton. We gotta we'd be remiss if we ain't shout out the boy. So yes, congratulations, sir. sir. We are so proud of you. And uh like I told you on the book, we can't wait till you start making it rain seminary scholarships at Wheaton. <laughs> so we are wait, for our boy. Can what can one make it rain seminary scholarships? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little bit wrong. I appreciate also, it, man. Appreciate also, the shout out. Uh, shout out to my daughter who started college this week. So nice. Talaja, good nice. luck with everything. We're praying for you every day. So, man, shout out to Marvel's Luke Cage, which is actually a Netflix original series coming out on September the thirtieth. And Luke Cage is a cool character. He's African American character. So. What they're doing is they're doing 13 episodes and all 13 of those episodes are are named after a gang star song. And the whole soundtrack is basically hip hop. So I'm looking forward to actually watching that. Um, I watched a couple of Marvel series on Netflix, but this one is probably going to be a cool favorite. I think Method Man might be in the, the series, too. So. It'll be a good, cool old to hip hop man. So shout out to Luke Cage. Yo, I'm so weak right now. <laughs> Just to get a rep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. 
Um, I got to give a shout out to Chris's wife, Emily, for dropping the text when we were sitting in the school uh, line to pick up our kids and homeboy came barefoot to pick up his children. Um, I got to give her a shout out for peeping that first. I was going to peep it, but um, Stant- throw it out there Stanton. Like that, but, That's how we roll in Stanton. Um, shout out to our public education system here in Stanton because I saw a sign today at a fast food restaurant that said, come in for our brand new sandwich. And it was spelled with W-I-T-C-H at the end. S-A-N-D-W-I-T-C-H. No. Hey, Chris. Oh, so that's what we're going to do, fellas? Chris, I'm just saying. That's what we're going to do? I'm just saying. Why is he, like, not giving me any motivation? (laughs) He's not making a good case, man. He's not. Y'all know I'm about to go Google y'all hometowns as soon as this podcast stops. We know how to to spell sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm so mad at my hey, city right and now. Look, and I no, see, you can't put this on stand because where I saw that was in Stewart's draft. So now, boom, dude, you just spoke like Greek. I only well, I know Greek. You spoke like <laughs> something weird. I only know what you're talking about, sir. I don't know what sandwich row is. Look, it ain't near us. That ain't where we are. That's that's the secondary home of Hershey chocolate. Not the big factory, it's the little factory. It's not where we live. Man, this is getting worse. Yeah, they make the Reese <laughs> Reese cups and Reese pieces down that way. Wow. These guys. All right, Come man. Come and we'll get you that tour. <laughs> I will, trust me. And that's been episode number 17 of the Boxing One podcast. Wow, we got 17 in the books, dudes. That's great, man. That's what's uh, up. Looking forward to 17 more in the future. And if you guys have enjoyed this podcast so far, we just ask you to do one thing, okay? Go subscribe, rate our i rate it on iTunes. Make sure that you leave us a nice, cool review. Talk about how wonderful Stanton is. I'm pretty sure that Chris and Jay Hart will appreciate that. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. Again. This has been the crew. See last Jay Hart and Jay Rich, episode 17. We'll holler at y'all next time. Peace out.